Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Amen. Y'all didn't know I could sing, right? Well, again, we'd like to welcome you to Trinity Community Church. Welcome our online family. Uh, My name is Daniel Lumpkin. I'm an elder here. Uh, You got me today. Pastor TJ's away. But trust me, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. If you're looking for notes, you can go to Uversion, hit events, live. You'll get my notes. And if you're on Facebook, check in. And if you're on Instagram, of course, take a picture. So before I get started today, today is a special day for me, right? Six years ago today, on this property, right over there where those trees are, my wife and I got married, all right? And so just wanted to honor her, even though she, she left, she was here the first service, but there you go, right? <laughs> so before we get started in continuing our series on the I am statements of Jesus and, and what that was all about, take a look at this. Master, would it sin? This man or his parents said he was born blind. Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Is this not he that sat and begged? This is he. No, he is like him. I am he. How were thine eyes opened? A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Where is he? I know not. How did you receive your sight? He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? What sayest thou of him? That he hath opened thine eyes. He is a prophet. Go bring his parents. Is this your son, who thou sayest was born blind? How then doth he now see? We know that this is our son. And that he was born blind? But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Give God the praise. We know that this man Jesus is a sinner. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. That whereas I was blind, now I see. What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? 
I have told you already. And you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Thou art his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is. And yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? <laughs> dost thou believe on the Son of God? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with me. Lord, I believe. <laughs> A judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see. And that they which see might be made blind are we blind also if ye were blind ye should have no sin but now ye say we see therefore your sin remaineth what a powerful powerful scene and I show that to give you some context as to what is actually happening as we go into John chapter 10. Think and process through this with me for a minute. You have the Pharisees who, who Jesus, through chapters 8 and 9, ha has literally, literally he makes the statement to them that you are of your father, the devil. And they tried to stone him, like they were trying to kill him. And he knew it. But Jesus is very relentless in his pursuit of who he is and who he's declaring himself to be. Now, as we look at the blind man, think about everything that's going on culturally, right? This this blind man's parents, they didn't even want to like own their own son at the moment for fear of being kicked out of Judaism or the synagogue. He can speak for himself, right? So think about that. And so then the blind man, which, which is a picture of simple faith as opposed to the Pharisees, who, who were spiritually blind. This guy was, if you read through the rest of John chapter 9, you'll see that he was excommunicated, literally kicked out of the synagogue for just receiving his sight by Jesus. Imagine that. So it's a lot of things happening as uh, we go into John chapter 10. But again, this is Jesus' fourth 
I am declaration. And, and before he gets to declaring I am the good shepherd, he also says I am the door. Right? That's not my message today. Somebody else will be speaking about that at a later date. However, think about it. The door. In the old days, the priest would go into the holies of holies once a year for atonement for the sins of the nation. Right? So think about it in our present day. Jesus being the door gives us access to and from God. Right? Doesn't matter where you're at. You can be at work. You can be at play. You can be sitting home. Through Jesus, you have access to God. Amen? So, this being Jesus' fourth I am statement, uh, and so what, what Jesus is doing, he's referring and, and making very, very clear, I am the good shepherd as evidenced by, I just opened blind man's eyes. Y'all kicked him out. I'm the good guy, right? But he's contrasting the blind man and him literally being able to see to the blind self-appointed leaders of the day, keeping them away, right? The, these false shepherds kind of like we're keeping people away from the knowledge and truth of the kingdom of God. Amen? So, we're going to start in John chapter 10, verse 11. If you have your Bible, you can follow with me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep, poor sheep, and scatters them. The hireling flees, coward, because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division among, or again, among the Jews. They were always divided. Isn't that something? There was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said. These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Wow. Imagine being like right there in the moment. And Jesus 
is, is speaking. You got the onlookers. You got the Pharisees. You, you know, you have the blind guy who's, who's now seeing, right? And you got all this division. And, you know, you got people whispering and, you know, people saying this and people saying that. Right. And what what really gets me is, I mean, Jesus opened the man's eyes. He was blind. Like, how are you going to argue with that? For real, though, I'm like, this was crazy. So, again, Jesus making these I am declarations is clearly for him to establish his identity, and his divinity, right? Rather than him just say, I'm God, and he was with skin on, he's actually a little bit at a time peeling the onion back, revealing more and more of himself to the religious leaders and they was flipping. They was going crazy because they, they really wasn't expecting Jesus to come in the way that he came. They was looking for something else, man, right? And it was tripping them out because they was, they was bent on refusing or refuting Jesus for who he was. But I want to take a look at this, this one aspect. Why did Jesus call himself Good. We know he was the shepherd, but why did he add good shepherd? Well, in the Greek, the word good is the Greek word kalos, and it means good. But it also describes that which is noble, wholesome, good, and beautiful which is in contrast to those Pharisees who, who was wicked, mean, foul, and just, just unlovely, man. It, it, these guys was just, ugh, you know. But it signifies not only that which is good inwardly, but that which is also attractive outwardly. See, Jesus was altogether lovely. Amen. So now let's take a look at the hireling, right? And when, when, when we think about hireling, I want you to also think about leadership, right? Because that, that's who the Pharisees represented in, in that day. They were the leaders of Israel. And so in John 10, 12, and 13, we see that, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep, poor sheep, and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Does not care about the sheep. Leadership is a commitment. And I wonder sometimes, and there's different forms of leadership, right? There's, there's parenting leadership, 
There's church leadership. There's leadership in the workplace, right? There's leadership in sports, right? But sometimes I question, why do people get into leadership? Right? Is it about what you get from, or is it about service to? Is it about what you can get, notoriety? Oh, I'm the, the boss. You got to listen to me. Or is it about what you provide? Are you helping to develop other people? Something to think about. Really, it is something to think about. But anyway, the hirelings, the bottom line is they're only in it for the money, right? They really don't care about the sheep, right? Uh, their part is, is to simply get what they can get out of it, and then they're gone, especially if the wolf's coming, right? They're not fighting the wolf. Uh, even to the point where their hearts are just not in it. They outwardly act as if, but inwardly are detached. They're not making any effort to sacrifice a thing, especially their own life. It gives thought to the phrase, sheep without a shepherd. Amen? So how do we know? How do we know that Jesus is actually the shepherd he says he is? How, how would we be, begin to even identify? Well, the scripture tells us because he lays down his life for the sheep. Anybody in here willing to do that? Okay, just check it. But think about it. Think about it. And, and I really want you to process this because we're going to talk about uh, something that I really want you to consider. Because to lay down your life for the sheep, and we all know that Jesus went to the cross and all the pain that he suffered. And so that's a big deal. That's a big deal when you think about that. But here's how we know that Jesus is the true shepherd. In your Bibles, turn to Galatians 4, 1 through 5. And it reads, Let me illustrate. As long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant although he's the master over all of them. For until the time appointed by the Father, for until the time appointed by the Father, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is with us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the time of fulfillment had come, when God had had enough, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free 
listen, redeem and set free those held hostage to the law so that we would receive our freedom and full legal adoption as children. Powerful, powerful. I want to bring your attention back to verse 2. For until the time appointed by the father, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. Well, the children here we know are, is Israel. Guardians refer to the Jewish religious system. God the Father had set the time. Now, we already know that from the beginning of time up until the New Testament, there are over 300 prophecies pointing to the appearance of Jesus Christ. And if you do some research, you'll find out that there were certain things that Jesus did time-wise that was to the, I mean, the letter, like hanging on the cross and the uh, three o'clock, nine o'clock sacrifice, right? Who can set that up but God? Amen? For until then, they were under the supervision of the law. And Jesus was not, he was not a hireling. He was not a stranger. Think about that. He was not a hireling. He was not a thief. Neither was he a stranger. In John 10.10, it says that, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. This is Jesus talking. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Just a little sidebar, right? The thief is coming. And the thief does come. That isn't to discourage you. That's to let you know that we have an enemy and that we must remain vigilant. Amen? So, again, think about this. Why did Jesus come and why was he appointed by the Father? I think that it was because of relationship. Jesus was in relationship with his Father and, and wanted to do the will of his Father. And he knew that required laying down his life. Think about that. He knew that his mission required ultimately the apex of him going to the cross. So we see in John 10, 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So I want to take these two words, know and life, and, and kind of bring some, some understanding to, to show you how they impact what Jesus did. So the Greek word for know is gnosko, and it means to know. It means especially through personal 
experience. But it's more than that. It's more than that. In uh, Luke 1 and 34, that same Greek word is used by Mary when she's having discourse with the uh, angel. She says, how will this be since I do not know a man? It speaks to intimacy. It speaks to relationship. It, it speaks to intimacy, right? It speaks to Jesus being so connected to his father that he was willing to die himself to fulfill the plan of the father. And then we have the word life where he lays down his life. That is the Greek word psyche or the vital breath, the vital breath, breath of life, the human soul, if you will, the soul as the seat of affections and will, affections and will, the human person, an individual. In this particular psyche, I want you to think and process through this with me, right? The relationship that Jesus had with his father was definitely one of intimacy, personal experience, and firsthand acquaintance. So in the same breath that Jesus says, I know my father, he also says, I will lay down my life for the sheep. But here's the thing. Him laying down his life for the sheep did not just involve outward physical pain. It also involved emotional inward pain. His soul was involved. I mean, his personality was involved. Who he was as a man. Man, he was in it 110%. So when you think about him giving up his life for the sheep, he, he's given spirit, soul, and body, everything. Imagine the pain and the anguish that he experienced on the cross. And so with that understanding and, and knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd, right? He has this kind of relationship with his father. I mean, the kind of relationship that you, you can't tell me more about my father than me because I am in it to die, right? So we, we now want to take a look at the sheep. Very brief, right? Because we all know that sheep aren't the smartest animals Right. They and I read some interesting things. I'm not going to share them all because some of them are kind of, you know, but without a shepherd. If you allow sheep to go out and graze, they will eat up all the grass until there is no more. And then they'll begin to eat each other's excrement. That's what sheep do. Hey, listen, I didn't. I'm just saying, sheep without a shepherd, that's what they do. But it's interesting because it says something about sheep without a shepherd. 
And in John 10 and 16, it says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I think it's very interesting that they will hear my voice. How does one hear his voice? Think about this. A child in utero, mommy's talking to him, right? Mommy's having conversation. Maybe daddy's having conversation. And that, that child, even in utero, is learning their parents' voice. So, as we're hearing the word of God today, if you're not born again, you are hearing the voice of the good shepherd calling to you. Yes, he's calling you today, the good shepherd. Think about that. Think about that. In Ephesians 3 and 6, we see the plan. And this is God's plan, that both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Of course, the sheep they're referring to is the children of Israel, and uh, the uh, other sheep are the Gentiles, you and me, all right? And in that picture, God takes two and they become one. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And then we go to the fold or the sheepfold. But what is that about? Well, the sheepfold is a representation of security. It's a representation of protection and shelter. It's also a place of rest. And, and I submit to you that Jesus is also the fold. He also provides a place of security a place of protection, and a place of rest. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him, God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. If you're born again, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're in his fold. Amen? So what happens to the sheep that wanders away? Those that, you know, kind of like want to do their own thing. I'm not, you know, feeling you guys over there. Y'all doing that. I want to go over here. I, you know, we got any sheep out there that want to kind of do their own thing? Come on. <laughs> I know. Every now and again, whether you want to believe it about yourself or not, we all do. We all do. That's why we have the good shepherd. But in Luke 15 and 4, we read, 
If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Absolutely. That, that's what a good shepherd does. That's exactly what a good shepherd does. But a good shepherd knows and loves his sheep and guards them against the wolf, predators, and all of those things that are out there that's trying to get the sheep. That's why we need a good shepherd. Also remember that there's safety within the fold or the church, right? There's safety. And Jesus is okay with leaving the 99 because he knows that there is safety within the crowd, within the church, right? So be careful about wandering off, you know, separating yourself from your care group, separating yourself from the body of Christ. I understand we all go on vacation and we all take time away, but we also need to stay connected when we are away. Amen? Amen? Because that's when the wolf comes. That's when temptation happens more often than not. When we're kind of like isolated, withdrawn to ourselves. Just a word of wisdom, all right? So we also see the end goal is uh, John 10 and 16. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So we see that the goal here is that Christ is looking to bring two and make them one, and they will have one shepherd, and there will be one flock. So now let's take a look at David's perspective and his experience with the shepherd, right? I call it kind of like the work of the shepherd because in my study and research of this, man, they, they do a lot of work. It's work being a shepherd, you know, it is. So let's look at Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Man, that's something to hold on to right there. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So first we see through Psalms 1 that the shepherd provides for the sheep. The shepherd provides for the sheep. And notice that in 
verse 1, it, does, it says the Lord is. The Lord is. Not was, not going to be, but is. Present tense. Present tense. And it's kind of showing us that, you know, God, God doesn't want us living in yesterday. He doesn't want us looking toward tomorrow. He, he wants us in the here and now, because that's where his provision is. My daily bread, not my weekly, monthly, but no, my daily bread. Amen. And then the shepherd leads, the shepherd leads, but the shepherd doesn't force you to follow. Some of us don't always like how the shepherd leads. God, I need, Lord, you know I need, God says, okay, this is what I need for you to do. That was not God. Yeah, it was. It was. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And if we would accept that, then we could trust that God knows better for us than we do for ourselves. Amen? The shepherd also restores. He restores. He restores broken relationships. He restores hurt and pain. He restores from hurts, hangs, hang-ups, and all kind of different things. He restores. And then the shepherd comforts. He comforts. He corrects and he redirects. Let me explain. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice how in the first few verses, the Lord is. He leads. He restores. But then we see that I, come into the scene and I begin to do something that now puts me in the shadow of death. But what does the shepherd do? He comes. He comes and he comforts. He comes and he corrects. He comes and he redirects. He says he will never leave you or forsake you even in spite of your bad choices, our bad choices. Then we see that the shepherd protects. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then we see that the shepherd follows with a sense of security and safety. Surely, goodness, goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy are two interesting words because they both uh, express God's grace. Goodness has a sense of favor. Mercy is the Hebrew word hesed, hesed, which also means grace. Okay, so you can't beat that running you down. No way, no how. That's a double portion of goodness. So, let's see what the importance of all this is by looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. 
Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And in that, we see that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, man. He gives it up. He lays down his life for the sheep. The work of the good shepherd also has made us complete. It's made us complete, enabling you and I, enabling us to do his will, to do his will, which has or would be pleasing in his sight. So what about if, if I'm not already in Christ, if I'm not saved? Well, let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2, verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So we see here that the shepherd is the one that returns you to right relationship and right standing with the Father. Amazing. What Adam did in the garden, we know that sin separated us from the Father. But the good shepherd came to repair the breach and return us back into right standing and right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And what was the purpose of that? 2 Corinthians 5.18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. See, we weren't looking for God. You might think you were, but it was God that came looking for you. Amen? Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which is the ultimate goal through the good shepherd. Be reconciled to God. So as we end I want to give in an invitation to actually. If you have strayed away from Christ, if you have kind of lost your way, drifted, and have realized, you know what? I'm kind of out there. I, I need to get back. Then this is your moment. I want to pray for you. The Good Shepherd wants to restore you today. But if you are the one that has no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, he's also calling you too. He wants to reconcile you to himself. Will you accept the invitation today? With heads bowed and eyes closed, And I want you to think about your eternal security. I want you to think about 
your direction in life? Where are you headed? Man, you can't live this life in today's world without Christ. Don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. We need a power greater than ourselves to help us navigate through this world. So if either of those invitations be you, straight away need to return, outside Christ need to be reconciled, will you raise your hand? And if all is well, we can still all pray together. Amen, because we all, we all at times just, just need to be assured. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you that you are the good shepherd. And that the work that you do on our behalf as the good shepherd restores us and puts us back into right standing with our Heavenly Father. So, Father, I pray over these sheep that if any have lost their way, God, that you would redirect, correct, and comfort. And that you would lead them back to the fold. And that they would find pasture, green pasture, and find rest for their soul. And then, Father, those that are without Christ, we pray that Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. You are the great shepherd of the sheep who gave your life for me, that I would have life more abundantly, that I would have protection, security in him. We accept you today as Lord and Savior and the shepherd of the sheep. Come into our hearts. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. And help us to be what you have called us to be. All this we pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.